Hello and welcome to another special edition of Soccer to the Max as we are talking about the U.S. Men's National Team's 2-0 loss to Canada here on the, the another round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. The second one for this window here of January to February. We got uh, one round of games left and then take a big break for the final one. And it keeps getting closer and closer together here for the top teams. And as another one joins the pack and a lot to discuss here as I am your host, Sean Garmer, here with me as always, Mr. Eric Watkins. Oh, yeah. Just when we thought, oh, it was going to be a simple top four, then today happened. Well, we we did say it could happen. Uh, I said it was very ripe for the picking, and it certainly did happen here. We'll talk about all that when we go around CONCACAF. But, of course, obviously we got to start with the team that we always talk about here when it comes what's happening with the Spence national team. Again, uh, a 2-0 loss. Goals at the beginning of the game, pretty much, with Kyle Lahren at the seventh minute and then at the end. Basically, a, a goal that, honestly, it counts for everything, but it doesn't really count as far as what it says about the game. Um, it does show the uh, defensive liabilities when you don't have your regular uh, starting squad in there. But outside of that, I think, Eric, we did talk about that it seemed like the team was looking ahead of this game. This game was Mm -hmm. the game that they could kind of give away. Not necessarily want to give away, but it was the game that they weren't necessarily so focused on winning. It's the away game. You you sort of expect to either draw or, or lose these games, and you win your games at home. That's usually what you do with qualifying. But I don't know that. After what happened in the the first game, Canada, your your draw at home in a game where you didn't look very good. This game had a lot of possession for the U.S., but not a lot with it. And, and that was the thing when you looked at really the heat map. Most of it was in the middle third. If you look at all of the duels won, which possession really wasn't that sloppy, it was fifty fifty. But going ahead instead of just oh. Finding a way using any creativity along the wing, Canada was more content to just sit deep, force the U.S. to go through cycle after cycle after cycle of trying to break their defense down. And that's exactly what the U.S. did. We would find a way to cut through right in the center, and then we'd kick it back right on the edge of the final third and try to build up again. Kick it back. Build up again. Had a couple of quality chances, but... Even the corners were like corner after corner after corner. You would have thought one of those with just the right position. They could have gone in, made the rest of the match interesting. But between Borjan and the net, defensively, just very good clearances. It was nothing there. We were stonewalled. Yeah, uh, you could definitely certainly say that. Yeah, as I you know go through notes here, the U.S. really didn't have... Too many clear chances. As you said, corners, set pieces have been awful for the U.S. during World Cup qualifying this cycle. It's crazy to see how you win two finals with basically set pieces or set plays, penalties, uh, you know, corners, that kind of thing. And then Mm -hmm. you get nothing really from that. I mean, it's encouraging that you're also getting goals from the run of play. But it's just it's insane to me that you have gone this far down on corners and set pieces. Your your set pieces are not clearing the first man half the time. Nope. Uh, they're 
they're very, you know, limp crosses. I mean, Christopher did not have a great day on the crossing. He did have the one uh, in the 42nd minute with McKinney with the header that barely went over, kind of touched the, with that forced a great save that you're talking about from Bojan. And, you know, what a tremendous save it was, certainly. But you, you wanted to see more of that. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the problem. You don't see more of that. You see uh, Pulisic cutting in instead of going outside and, you know, basically shooting a shot against like four different Canada defenders. Aronson getting a free shot when uh, in the second half where McKinney actually tries to do something on his own. And he goes right straight at Bojan in the middle. Um, crosses that are going right at the goalkeeper so he can keep wasting time, who is a magical time waster, Bojan. I'm surprised he didn't fake an injury like he has in all the other games. Uh, that, <laughs> he didn't necessarily need to. <laughs> I know, but he every other game seems to fake an injury so they can waste five minutes. But honestly, it's because more of the, the U.S. players kept going. Uh, and that's, like you said, that's why he didn't need to. But honestly, I felt like really that first that goal at the beginning played big time into Canada's that's exactly what they wanted to do get that early goal and then be able to sit back soak up pressure and make the U.S. have to break them down and they really couldn't um and and it's it's lack for lack of chance creation they they had no way to to break them down and the way that they got their first goal that first goal it's like all right it should have been just in which it was but just Canada right there in midfield just a half step quicker to win into the ball and that set up just a couple passes, layering on the outside, flying through like he does, back in the net, and all of a sudden you're one nil down. Yeah, I mean, Laren is uh, now the the mo- the uh, most scoring is go- uh, goal, um, the highest goal scorer in all of Canada's history, beating Dero uh, and everything else for Canada. What a tremendous story uh, that is for him to go from Orlando to Budiktas and everything in between for him to have those times where he wasn't with the national team to now becoming, you know, even with Jonathan David, they're actually forming a partnership between both of them and, and doing tremendous work uh, for both, both guys. And we'll talk about David a little bit later, but yeah, Kyle Laren just really came in. It was a one, two pass getting through a miles Robinson. Then it was tripped over him. So anyway, what got me there is this is Matt. This is all on Matt Turner. Mm-hmm. Matt Turner didn't push the guys up, tell them to go up so they have further chance to be able to, if this happens, where they are able to intercept the bad goal kick by, by Matt Turner, they have more chance, more ground behind them to try to make up. They, If you're sitting back, you're giving Canada all this space to go forward at you before your guys can actually react. They were also very slow at reacting, which... I think this comes down to Miles Robinson not having played a number of MLSs in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the one of the few times I'm going to say they missed Walker Zimmerman badly. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, remember, he's one of the older guys. In the, and unlike Jossie Sardas, he actually serves a great purpose in organizing it. He knows what he's doing. The team has been so much better since he's been in the team regularly. And you can see it. You can see how... That changes whether it's Chris Richards, whether it's Miles Robinson. He makes it work with them. You know, you know, you're going to have your two outside backs going forward, and you need his leadership to be able to tell Miles Robinson, "Hey, you come back here, Tyler Adams. Hey, we need you back here." You know, or or whatever it is. Uh, at that moment, he's great at heading the ball away, at clearing the ball away. He knows uh, when you need to do that. I'm not saying that Walker Zimmerman wouldn't get beat there, but I think we definitely know that Miles Robinson or Chris Richards, everyone would have played. 
would have been in a better position to take that away and probably would have told if Turner didn't, he probably would have told Richards, Hey, we need to go up. Now I don't know. Maybe the intention was that he was supposed to play the ball out of the back and he chose at the last minute to, to try to hit it long. I don't know what happened there, but that's a mistake on that. Yeah. A big mistake. And even if that was the case, that is a clear communication you can't mm-hmm. afford to have, especially in such a clutch match. If you're going to go ahead, play the ball out of the back, fine, position your defenders accordingly. If you're going to say, hey, go ahead and push, even if it's at the last minute, you have a second or two, arms out wide, push, push, make the kick, and at least you get something salvageable from that. I don't understand the reaction after this goal. I mean, yes, the first half, was when the U.S. had the most chance. Mm-hmm. There was, aside from the McKinney header, there wasn't anything, oh my God, that was a total miss, like you say, like <gasps> the uh, Jesus Pereira one against El Salvador. Right. That was really the only clear cut, oh my God, you messed up there. Other than that, the rest of the chances the U.S. had were not anything that you really got to, I mean, other than maybe Aronson could have tried to put that somewhere else aside from right at Bojan. Really, there was nothing that you could say, oh my, oh man, they just really missed. That comes down to me, to, to Greg Berhalter, your coach. Justice Hardis is there to be scrappy, to win balls, to to I, do some hold-up play, all that stuff. Once you go down a goal, he doesn't – what's his point? What's his purpose? Especially you seven know? minutes in. It's like – No, I'm not, not saying kind of... to, I'm not saying you need to switch him at seven minutes in. No, but, but it's, it's a point to where it's a lot tougher for him to be involved in that way when you're trying to chew the game. Right, and admittedly, not a, the U.S. was. He's not a guy. I mean, that's to be fair. This is my biggest problem with all of the U.S. number nines. At least the U.S. number nines that we constantly see Greg Halter bring. None of them create chances for themselves. They all mm-hmm. rely on this spectacular service that, acting as if all of the teams need to sit around and wait for the U.S. to magically get across and so somebody score. That's not how this happens. You see Kyle Aaron, you see Jonathan David. They are wonderful at creating their own chances. They will run at the ball, drive at a player, and then go find their own shot. Ricardo Pepe is not that person. Jesus Pereira kind of does that, but he's also a playmaker. He's not really a number nine. And then Justin Sotis is the same thing as Pepe. He's not a chance creator. He is a, okay, well, you can kind of play off me and, and whatever, but I don't understand why Pepe doesn't start in this game. If you want to put him, I, I get it. He's been through a bunch of adversity at Osberg or whatever, but mm-hmm. this is the game you play him in. He's a younger guy. He works better with an Aronson and a Pulisic. Um, I don't know. Just Josh's artist has always been like a square peg round hole to, with this. Of like He's coming because he's a, he's a Burhalter guy. He's not coming because he really would add a lot to this team. And then also it's like Pepe's at least been playing. Even though mm-hmm. he's not been doing great, he's playing. Justin Jardis is sitting there, not not playing. He's he's coming off cold. MLS is on the offseason again. So I, I didn't understand that. And then you, how many times have has Greg Berhalter made changes at halftime, right? Yeah. I, and, and then so you don't make things. a change at halftime here. Nope. That doesn't make sense to me. No. And it's something to where it's not like you were down like this incredible amount. You make a couple tweaks, you tinker, as he is wont to do, as you said, making those halftime changes. You could go ahead and at least, if it takes 15, 20 minutes, 
you're at the 65th minute, you have a chance to level things. Fantastic. But it was bad to worse. You would have had Pepe been able to be in mm -hmm. from the 45th minute on. It gives him like 15 minutes to get adjusted. Yep. And then by the time, like you said, 67th, 65th minute, by the time you're bringing on some of the other guys, you know, Jordan Morris, Costa, and even then by the time you bring in Ariola and bring in uh, Reggie Cannon, maybe there was more cohesiveness at that point mm -hmm. with Pepe and, and the rest of the guys. I mean, so like I, I understand keeping Pulisic on. I think he had a, a slightly better game in this one, but this is another case where you're you're missing not having that. I think the the midfield was fine, but also Adams having to go off didn't help because that changes the dynamic of the team. It seemed like he picked up an injury, so it it wasn't there was no no bite in the team, and I feel like he waited too long to try to provide that. Well, okay, we made it through the first half. All right, we're only down one goal. Fair enough. It is in Canada in tough conditions, all that stuff. But it just it just feels like there's no. There was never a moment where that team was urgently trying to get that goal. There was no, no. oh my gosh, we got to score. We got to do this. We got to, what, what's going on? Like, why is everyone just so Lazi's fair? Not saying they don't care, but it's just more lackadaisical kind yeah. of feeling. They cared, but it really no sense of urgency in their heads were fully in it. Yeah, th that passion just wasn't there for me. And I get it, maybe... You know, it's everybody's looking ahead to that Honduras game where it's like, okay, that's the game we got to win. That's the game we have to show out on. It's at home. But, I mean, do you really want to do that? You know, Minnesota's going to be like five degrees outside. I mean, it's not necessarily yeah. – it's better uh, conditions as far as not having to play on turf and concrete and all that stuff, but not going to be better conditions outside in the temperature. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me what what uh, Greg Verhalter went out here for. He said later on that – Oh man, I, I can't doubt the effort of the team today. It just the chances just weren't there, and and I mean credit to Canada first of all. Mm -hmm. No, uh, Alfonso Davies, no Estacio, and Tejon Buchanan really wasn't doing what Tejon Buchanan does. He was really just being a defender more than he was really making sure that Sergio Dest didn't get wild on anyone. And the same thing for Richie Larea going back and forth to make sure that Anthony Robinson wasn't a big, huge force, even though he had a lot more room on the left side than, say, Shrigno Tested. But credit to both of those guys. A great job by John Herdman to really set up the team to actually neutralize what Red Berhalter said his superpowers are, which are the fullbacks. Mm -hmm. Everything comes from the fullbacks. When those fullbacks don't, aren't sitting there bombing forward, getting crosses in or getting things in, the team is very stagnant, very narrow. And you saw that. You saw that in this game. They're trying to go too much, too much through the middle. Nobody's trying. But see, this is my problem too. Gripper Halter and and Tim Weah was a huge loss. Tim Weah was an absolute huge loss uh, in this game because he's the only consistent guy that gets forward. Oh he's yeah, he's the only consistent guy that goes on that right side and makes himself a nuisance. That's my biggest problem with both Aronson and Pulisic. Both of them cut in. They don't try to get by someone on the on the flanks and then cut in they cut in automatically so it forces everybody towards the middle and then what happens you're playing right into canada's hands you got the bulk of the defense right there how are you going to get a shot up you're not you know? you're really not uh, do you I, think I it's like uh a, a lack of confidence from 
like Pulisic, who doesn't have this, he doesn't know what's going on really at Chelsea. And then, you know, Aronson's kind of been, I, I don't think he's been playing as much as he was pre all of the break and everything. Do you think it has something to do with that or? Maybe, but for some of these things, even if there's that little bit of lack of confidence, you almost have to rely on like muscle memory a little bit. We've seen Pulisic in some quality 1v situations. We've seen Aronson like these things before. They know themselves they're capable. And if you boil it down into very oversimplified terms, that's where the hangups were. Go ahead, ache on that challenge. Then go ahead and come inside when you're already in deep. Go ahead and make those plays once you can draw everybody towards the middle at the last minute. Catch teams off guard defensively. It's just like part caution, part fear, however you want to call it. But it's just, oh, I can't do this. Oh, well, I better do this, do that, and you need to respond. Exactly. It always feels like, oh, wait, I'm not in the position I'm supposed to be in. I better go back now. Where's the freedom of play? Where's the, mm-hmm. like, just let me go for it. I don't I don't see the players going for it. I don't see anybody driving at another player, putting fear into them. I don't see, all right, well, wait, I got to the barrier and I can't go anymore. That That's not a soccer player. That's, that's no. not a player that... That has confidence to want to go at someone. Like the only person I see doing that, aside from Tim Ware, who was not in this game, is Weston McKinney. Other than that, I just see a lot of, like you said, a lot of fear, a lot of whether it's just self doubt, a lack of confidence, whatever. It's just this team is not up to its potential of what you, what they should be. They show flashes of it sometimes. It's that whole thing of why people say when you play a team like El Salvador and you're at home, you want to see them do more. Because you know they can. And you want some kind of thought to the next team that you have to play. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn, we got to we gotta take this team seriously. Why am I going to fear a team that can barely beat El Salvador 1-0 at home? To credit to El Salvador again, they sat back and whatever. But it's just like, again, you're, you don't make the most of... They, they miss so many chances or they don't create enough chances. And it's it's frustrating. It's disappointing to watch a team that should be doing better and now you're you're seriously worried about number one now this honduras game is absolutely crucial astronomically huge crucial crucial yeah, it, and then not only that but based on the results around you any mess up at this point sees you go from second to fourth in a hurry and if you don't watch out you could wind up in fifth and not go anywhere and this should end the back it's already in the back of fans minds it needs to be in the back of the minds of Burhalter and everybody. Everybody talks about 2018. You don't get everything together. You don't go ahead and go guns, blaze, all this and that. It could turn around and be 2018 all over again. And then what? You see Canada. They're not worried. They're in the octagonal, still undefeated. They're tops. They're the ones with the confidence in the moment. Mexico, exactly. you see them. We'll talk about them in a second. but. They're going to be smelling blood in the water, knowing what's coming up in March. You've got your other teams, Costa Rica, Panama. Again, CONCACAF is surrounding right now. You don't want that. You don't. Yeah, that's the worry right now is that now, yes, should you be able to go to Minnesota and beat Honduras, however the hell it is you're going to beat them, whether it's 1-0, 5-0, 3-1, 4-2, whatever? Yes. Yes. Should you be confident in being able to do that? Yes, you should. Yes, is Honduras eliminated? 
Yes, they are. Does that mean they're going to lay down? No. So, and just like you saw with, uh, with Canada today, they have, depending on who um, the coach decides to play, if he, if he goes all out and they don't send everybody home or whatever and everybody's still there, watch it. They have some players that can hurt you on the counter if you're not ready. If you have another defensive showing, now granted, look, the defense wasn't bad. It's not like Canada no. had a billion chances. They didn't. They really no. did not. They just had two really bad moments. And then Matt Turner had another bad moment where he, the other really big chance for Canada, Jonathan David, gets a poor clearance, uh, a pass over from Frazier. Again, another shot of him being able to create a chance for himself, drives out a player, gets through, shoots. Turner makes a save, but then he fumbles it right in front, and Kyle Larry just happens to not be able to make the, the shot happen. Or that's probably another goal right there, and you're down 2 0 with like 70 in the 70 something minute instead of at the end when it didn't matter. But that's the point here is all it takes is one, one chance, one opportunity. You're not sitting there taking it to the front foot. This is where I really hope we see the United States play it in the Costa Rica game at home or the Mexico game at home from the more go. And you don't stop. This is my problem with the U S team. Oh, we're all giddy to go in the first 10 minutes, whatever. And then after that, it's like, Oh, here we go. It's not happening. And now we start just, we're kind of mojo going. It's like little on, foot off the gas, a little exactly. bit more, a little bit more. Put you gotta slam it down, and it don't stop at one goal. You need to put it down two, three, four, five, whatever. Put the put it out of out of its misery. Make sure there is no way you lose that game because you cannot, you cannot lose that game. There Especially is, there with is, goal difference now being what it is, it, it's not even goal difference. It's what you have. After this game, you have three incredibly difficult games with the three guy, three teams aside from Canada that you just lost to in in the mix. Honduras is the last easy game that you have. That's it. And two of them are away. Two of them are in in Azteca and in San Jose. The last freaking game of the qualifying, and you have no idea how the rest of the the thing's going to be at that point. And and all the teams around you have some really tough games. You're the only one really that has a a game that doesn't matter as far as for Honduras, they're eliminated. Right? Yeah, they they're mathematically to, out of it. Yeah, they, they can only get up to few points now if they won everything, which is not going to happen. But if they won everything, they can't even make it to the fourth spot. But still, you are at a crucial time where I know this is going to – people are going to see and they're just going to make up for all the other crap that happened in the in the, this window. It doesn't matter. What you need uh-uh. to do is go out there and win. This is where you play all your best players. Maybe you don't play Pulisic from the start. You let somebody else shine at that moment and you go and you take it to them because you have put yourself in this position mm-hmm. where now, depending on what happens with the rest of these games on that day, you could be in, under some serious fire. Even if you get the win and you go up to 21 points, we could see so much happen underneath that it's not comfortable. And that's the problem. This is where if you would have got that point or you would have perhaps got a, an upset win, you're looking at Canada being closer to you. Yep. So there's always that chance that you can leapfrog and go first. Now, first is almost possibly out of the picture. You got to hope that El Salvador pulls up a miracle in, in El Salvador, which, I mean, you got what you wanted. El Salvador has everything to play for, so they're going to come mm-hmm. at them. But mm-hmm. El Salvador also has games against the teams that are around them after them. So even if they were to lose it because they were able to beat Honduras, they still have an opportunity to be in the mix in those last. So this is a, a huge thing for the U.S. 
again, th- you didn't expect to go in there and tell Hamilton and win, but you expected them to show a lot more than they did, and you expected them to at least be fighting for a draw, and it felt like that was never going to be the no. case in that game. No, it really wasn't, and if you look at just based on the score line, how everything happened, if you break it down from the school level, I'm sorry, 2-0 Canada just fit. Even, even one no Canada fits because that yeah. was really the difference in this game as opposed to the first game was you didn't have Alfonso Davies to be nope. able to create that double counterattack where they would have released Tejon Buchanan more had they had Davies there to create that where you have to be scared of the counterattack. In this game, you're not worried about the counterattack so much. So they basically just decided to sit in instead, especially once they got that early goal. Canada was a lot less dangerous going forward. But you still had the same problem with go side to side, go backward. You're not making passes forward. You're not trying to push the ball forward. You're you're trying to find some cute way to get through a Canada defense that is just sitting in their blocks and they're happy to do it. And it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating because teams are gonna play you this way. You're gonna get to Mexico, they're gonna play you that way. You're gonna get to Costa Rica, they're really gonna play you that way. Panama's gonna play you that way. They already did it, and you already lost to them. So that's the point. You need Burhalter, I don't know what his thing is. He cannot figure out how to how to break these, these blocks and get the players to be able to break these blocks. Maybe if you switch them from sides, maybe if you switch Aronson and Pulisic, maybe if you, you know, let the players kind of have a little more freedom there in the midfield so that Musa could feel like he could go forward and do some of the creative t- things that he does, or McKinney can do some of the creative things he does and have Adams just kind of sit there in front of the back four and and hold play around with it a little bit so that that team feels like they have the ability to to innovate and and have some some moments to spark because that's it feels like it's so rigid into this okay you got to fit in this shape and you can't move from this shape and it's it's just so frustrating it really is it it it, it really is <sighs> so speaking of frustration it was an absolutely frustrating day for Mexico as well at the Azteca uh, they had plenty of chances, several uh, headers um, that went far. In fact, they actually had a goal that went in from Rogelio Funes Mori that was actually called offside after number four of Costa Rica. I can't remember his name. Uh, he happens to move to the side, which makes yep. Funes Mori offside at that moment. Uh, also, in the old offside rule, he, they would have already been offside because Chucky Lozano was offside on the other side. Either way, so they called it offside. Right as soon as Punis Mori hit the ball, hit the net, they had the flag race. So we didn't get through much celebrating. And then after that, it was really just Mexico trying to go for it, peppering the goal. There wasn't that many, like, clear chances. It was a lot of Hector Herrera with a long shot. Uh, oh, yeah. Somebody else with a long shot. Uh, somebody and, with a header that goes wide or goes out. And, and even yeah. from the Costa Rica side, they just seemed like, all right. If we can just break someone up right through the middle, bomb it to them, create a 1v, see what happens. And they did that a few times. It nearly worked. But overall, it didn't entirely work because there were no goals. It was some great plays, but it was just the defenders were right there. Or like you had the keeper right there. It was just that little bit of a moment that kept it at nil-nil each time. Yeah, I mean, when you have Kaylor Navas on your on your side for Costa Rica, that helps a lot <laughs> when he's able well, to. Well, I mean, that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have Emma Ochoa as well for Mexico. Those are two really tough keepers to have to deal with. Yeah, on they combined side. for, I think, like four saves. Like Four saves, three, uh, yeah. yeah Memo had three, 
and one for for Navas, which is the the header that went that he had to push over the bar or whatever. I, for me, I think what I saw again is I said it last time, but Joe Campbell is so important to this team, and he showed it again and so giving everybody a masterclass on how to hold up the ball. Every mm-hmm. time he holds up the ball, he turns and he makes something happen, and that's what you want in your forward when you play. One up top by himself like that. He is terrific in being able to get that going and knowing exactly what he wants to do. If there's space, he goes into it again, going into that space and then finding the guy. The only thing that sucks is aside from Campbell, they really don't have anyone like they used to that you're scared of striker wise. Uh, Martinez was serviceable, but he's not someone that I'm really worried about. The couple of shots that he had were like bad angle shots that were never going to go in on you know any day honestly and they were not going to fool memo and then i think they had uh borges is the one that had the the easiest one where he's right in front of goal the 39th minute the ball could he could have hit that ball anywhere yeah with his head and he hits it right at freaking mochoa and then forget it you know that that was how it went for costa rica the few chances that they actually tried to do something uh but honestly they again just like canada they were happy to go into azteca make it really difficult for Mexico to get around them, which they did. Terrific defense on their end. They were everywhere they needed to. Even bringing again, even Cesar Borges, Kendall Watson, bringing in Brian Rees in the 75th minute. The old guards again. Uh, it went ahead. Wonders. They came in just a little bit that they needed to shut it down entirely. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant on their part. Yeah, they did what they had to do. They got the point. And made Mexico suffer. And now everybody's sitting there. Uh, I, I heard a lot of Burhalter out or whatever after this game. A lot of people with the Tata Martino out after having suffering and being at home and losing to Costa Rica. And now, now, oof, you've got a big challenge coming up on Wednesday at the nightcap and the last game of qualifying for this window. And we'll talk about it in just a second because Panama went and did the business at home, as we talked about. They normally always do. They have been lethal at home. Uh, but actually, this is the first game where VAR, VAR, became a presence. And early on, from the second minute, there was a penalty called uh, on basically down, taking Brown down in the box because Antonio steps up. He hits the penalty. And Jamaica's up 1-0. You're mm-hmm. going, oh, man, this is the moment. This is the time that it takes uh, for him to for, for this to happen. And, but man, Panama, as they always do, they are quick to counter. They go for it. Andre Blake has to make an incredible save with Godoy right point blank in his face. And then not only that, but then you have Var get involved again, a clear, just absolutely clear knockdown of the Panamanian player. And then Andre Blake steps up and man, this dude, the Philadelphia Union don't deserve this. He needs to be playing in Europe or somewhere. I mean, it's incredible. How many times Andre Black steps up and makes saves? And, and he, he, he does it with his leg, goes the other way, leaves his foot out, and then makes a save. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, and I mean, even with how the game progressed and it ended, I can't entirely like go against. And I'm like, I messaged you. Why aren't teams calling for him? Somebody got to be are, And he just doesn't want to. He doesn't want to leave the U.S. because my God, I cannot imagine people watch him and go, man, he's better than whatever I got here. Exactly. I mean, if Arsenal's going after Matt Turner, I mean, why is nobody going after Andre? But it's crazy. The goal does come, unfortunately, Jamaica and or for Panama 
in the 42nd minute. Again, Andre Blake goes in and makes a parry save. And then, of course, he parries it onto his own defender's head. And Brown hits it into the net. And there's your 1-1. I saw Uh, that. I was just like, that was nothing against Blake. That was just a terrible bounce, the way that happened. And I was like... Man, you could kind of tell Jamaica was a bit deflated after that. And then Panama yeah, was like, no. all right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, We don't care how we got it, but we got it. It's sad because you're going into the halftime break. You're going to be up 1-0. You're away yep. from home. Let's just hold this result. Or let's see if we can get another one or whatever. Oh, and now it's 1-1. So now you're playing into Panama's hands. And, of course, Panama brings, you know, players on. And... Doesn't take him very long. In the 50th minute, another unfortunate one for Andre Blake, where he makes the first save, and then Eric Davis on the rebound actually beats him near post. Yep. And then Panama's up 2-1. Goalkeeper shouldn't get beat near post. Unfortunate again for Blake because he had made the first save. And then, you know, about 10 minutes later, uh, you get a corner uh, that takes two flick-ons. Godoy with a freaking looping flick-on the Blackburn again heading it back in the front of goal, and the defender, uh, Adiano, hits it in, and that makes it 3-1. Jamaica gets a goal late from a quarter of a read cross uh, into one of the the guys that had been subbed on, number 11. Uh, That made it close with about, I want to say, eight or nine minutes left, but Panama winds up going through and getting the win at home. So, whew. This is squeaky bum time for everybody because now Panama gets the win and the standings are ever so close. The U.S. from with goal difference and with the head-to-head victory over Mexico are above them and 18 points. Mexico has 18 points thanks to the point they got from Costa Rica. And then Panama with the win right there at 17. My goodness. Uh, and then Costa Rica is right there with 13. So this is what we're looking at. But let's get through the last match uh, that happened on uh, this whole round of World Cup qualifying. El Salvador goes into Honduras, which Honduras still had a technically a chance in this game. Mm-hmm. They decide not to play their big guns from the start. They kind of go, they let them be the super subs in the second half. But even then, Honduras in the first about 20 to 25 minutes were the protagonists of this game. They were going at it. They were going for it. They... They had shots that went wide. They had a header that went uh, wide. And and really, other than Duenas making some moves here and there for El Salvador, it was really Honduras until about the 34th uh, minute, a move from Duenas that gets it up to Bonilla, who makes a sweet move inside the box to fake out his defender, gets it, scores it, and El Salvador's up 1-0 in the 34th minute in San Pedro Sula. Uh, after that, it really just goes to halftime. They bring on the big guns, Kyoto, Elise, Rodriguez. And once again, Honduras, full of life, goes for it. They have a lot of movement. Rodriguez with some shots that almost they kind of go over the bar. The big one is from a move from Rodriguez that it gets saved. And Elise is right there, right there in front of the El Salvador keeper. And he absolutely scuffs it and can't hit it. Whiff. And... <laughs> That was a huge telling point of this this game because that should have been the one that makes the draw and puts it in a different light for Honduras. Obviously, they need three points because one point isn't going to do anything for them. But three points that puts you that gives you more life at that point. 
And unfortunately, it didn't work out. El Salvador kept kind of just trying to go deal with it. And they kept kind of just defending. Rodriguez, again, being very prominent in, in most of the attacks here for uh, Honduras, which movements that are out there barely going to the bar. It's saved by the goalkeeper. And then at the end, 92nd, when Darwin sent off his own rebound, makes him move to, able to get the second goal to put it away. And El Salvador win 2-0. So El Salvador gives himself life. They have nine points now. They go into this big game against Canada at home. If they can get any kind of a point or even shock the world with three points, they are right there in the mix going into yeah. that. Yeah, they go into March ripe and getting ready to make a run at fourth place and in exactly. that playoff spot. Yeah, so Canada can either kind of put them out of the misery at home or you can have El Salvador put themselves into the mix here. And uh, I mean, Hugo Pérez has done a masterful job with El Salvador. You got to give him credit for that. So here's what we're looking at for Wednesday. A Jamaica team that also still has an opportunity um, even though their commissioner of or whoever's the head of their football federation said today that I guess even if they were to beat Costa Rica, now had they beat Panama and then also beat Costa Rica, they would have been at 13 points. I don't know if he would have been saying the same thing, but I guess he doesn't have a lot of faith that Jamaica are going to be able to make a run. He said they're not going to be bringing uh, Mikel Antonio or any of the English contingent after this game because it costs them too much and it's not worth it. Uh, because I guess he thinks that they're just not going to have a chance in the uh, last three games, which they have a pretty nice schedule going forward here if they, it, they could do it. It always circles back to England when you go into the island. I don't know why. Yeah. It always does. I, Jamaica had an opportunity here. They kind of blew it mm -hmm. to be able to give themselves 10 points and really have a shot here. But again, these are teams all in the same mix. Costa Rica, this is a game they have to have now. But it's still a big game. To, if Costa Rica can go and get this win, you're at 16 points. Um, and you would expect them to do so, um, even though they are going to the office. Not an easy place to play. But still, that is a game you got to watch. Because, again, Costa Rica goes to 16 points. That's putting pressure on everybody else to get oh, the yeah. job done here. And then, obviously, U.S.-Honduras, that's the game you expect if you're the U.S. You have to win. You have to win. And then in the nightcap, after those games are pretty much done, you have the two big games as well. El Salvador at home against Canada. What a big game this is uh, for El Salvador to try to get a point or possibly even the three points. And then Panama, Mexico. Can you imagine? At the Azteca, Panama goes in there and gets another point off Mexico or even surprises. I doubt that. I think they won't be surprised. I think Mexico is going to app to really yeah. make sure they go for it even though they really have looked kind of limp I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you this right now given my track record of betting for game today it wasn't the best but forget about that i'm calling it now i think mexico is in a vulnerable enough spot panama they come in and they get the job done narrowly so. we're talking like maybe a one nil a two one it's going to be very squeaky. I think with especially how they handle their business at home, they'll go ahead and they'll be like, we know we can. we've been there before, and they get it done. You're going to hear yeah. more of a groundswell about Tata Martino, but it's shaping up to be that way. Yeah, I mean, talk about if Panama were to go ahead of Mexico here, the, the craziness that will ensue 
with what happens to Tata Martino if they don't get the job done. Because he already looked nervous in that Costa Rica game. I cannot imagine oh, what yeah. this is going to be like. Uh, and they already had the squeaky bum time when they were in Panama. So can nobody imagine how crazy it's going to be here? But again, this is the whole point. Like This is why Panama winning and then El Salvador winning, this, this all makes these games matter in the grand scheme of things. Because if everything goes right, I mean, we're talking about Woof, get ready for some some rough and 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 tumble and and everybody score watching for these last three games here uh in March to decide everything. A little so, bit of extra March madness on top of everything else. Exactly. A little bit of extra <laughs> you said it, March <laughs> Madness, uh for sure. I mean, now that you know, Jamaica and Dudas may not matter at the end, but it's like it's it's crazy to think you're gonna have when you go into March, the U.S. has to go to Mexico and play. If El Salvador can get something out of Canada, you never know what happens with Jamaica. El Salvador might be able to go in Jamaica and get something if, if Jamaica's eliminated you know, by then or very close to being eliminated. Panama's playing Honduras. That's always a crazy one. And then Costa Rica-Canada, what a huge game that is. Talk about if Costa Rica can, can, can nick a point or something at home there and give themselves even more chances qualified. Uh, then you got a huge match, El Salvador, Costa Rica. My gosh, then March 27th, um, depending on what El Salvador has been doing. Mexico gets to play Honduras, okay? You'd think that's a win. Uh, you know, Canada, Jamaica, we'll see what's going to be happening there. And then U.S. has to, their last home games against Panama. My goodness. Uh, get ready for the fireworks to go after that one because those two teams do not like each other. And, you know, after we saw, after what happened with the U.S. and Panama in Panama, mm-hmm. going to be interesting what kind of teams you get there. And then, of course, that last fixture round, Panama plays Canada. My gosh. Depending on what Canada has been doing this entire time, could you imagine if Canada holds Panama's fate in their hands? Or even El Salvador, Mexico, a game that's been played a lot recently. And El Salvador, Mexico do not like each other either. Woof. Talk about that. And then U.S., who has never won in Costa Rica and qualifying, has to go down to San Jose and possibly get a point or three. Yeah, that is not great. So again, this is why this game against Honduras is vital, huge, crucial for the U.S. Costa Rica really needs to go and get three points against Jamaica here. Uh, Canada, El Salvador, I think, and Mexico, Panama are the two that you really, really need to be watching because El Salvador could turn everything upside down if they could get something. And then, of course, Panama, Mexico, same thing could absolutely go into a twister with uh, that, those last eight fixtures. So everything to play for in all of these games uh, coming up. That's what you love to see from World Cup qualifying. So get ready because Wednesday can't come soon enough. Wednesday night's going to be some some craziness. I just, just got to hope that the U.S. do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, they've got to do their job. Now, when you're going into March, you yeah. do not want a top six. You barely yeah. even want a top five. That's manageable. If it becomes a top six, and then with Canada, are they still going to be unbeaten? Are yeah. they going to go into March playing through and sweating that out? Who knows? But as the old Bill Belichick adage, do your job. Yeah. Come away 3-0, 4-0 if you can help it. Clear out some of the cobwebs. Have as little chatter over the two months as you possibly can. 
Yeah, stop then making, you worry about having that. the fans worry because again, like if the U.S. and Mexico can't get the job done, talk about the chat of it's going to be happening. The things that we will talk about on this podcast and everybody else will be talking about there on their podcasts and their YouTube shows and everything else. It will be insane. So yeah, a lot to play for on Wednesday. Get ready for that. We will be. Uh, I got to work, so we probably won't show until about. I want to say almost one o'clock in the morning, but we'll be here. It'll be there for you on the um, Thursday morning uh, on demand. So thank you for watching or listening, whichever one you actually uh, did here, whether you watch later on YouTube or uh, you listened on all the podcast feeds, whether it's the W10 Network feed where we, you get all of our stuff, uh, my video games to the Mac show. You got all of Eric's like five different podcasts now that he does. Um, you know, point of viewer is back. You get the kickoff. Life is like a game show. Uh, you get um, uh, League to the show, Max or whatever. <laughs> yeah, League to the Max or whatever. And then, of course, um, all the Radlitz shows are there as well. They just did the Royal Rumble. Um, so if you're a wrestling fan, you can go listen to their, uh, which I'm sure are pretty negative thoughts and considering everything I saw on Twitter. Thank God I don't watch wrestling anymore after that crap that I saw. But anyway... <laughs> This is about soccer. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning for you guys to wrap up everything CONCACAF um, for that last round of fixtures until we go into the last three, the big three that are at the end. Um, and, of course, in between that, we will be doing our regular episode, which should be um, that following uh, Monday, I think. Um, that following Monday, February 7th, we'll be back doing our regular shows with the Manchester United moment. And of course we'll be looking ahead to the MLS season. So we're going to be doing our MLS team preview that I talked about in the last one. So get ready for that. Uh, well, until Wednesday night, I hope everybody has uh, had a great weekend and now look forward to that week ahead. Later, everybody. Stay warm, stay safe. Peace. Later.